So as you guys know, we've been talking about the fact that we are the righteous. Amen? Say that with me. Say, I am the righteous. And, you know, we get that um, from in Romans where it's talking about the fact that we were once sinners. Uh, but now, because of what Jesus did, we are now called the righteous. So you are no longer a sinner. I said, you are no longer a sinner. I mean, if you're saved, amen. How many saved folk I got in the house? Amen. All right. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're no longer a sinner, so you don't have to worry about um, receiving punishment from God for the result of sin because Jesus took that punishment on the cross. Amen. Everything we've been studying about receiving the peace of Jesus, we've learned that that is indeed an assurance in our minds that what Jesus did worked. He, what he did paid the price. What he did settled your account. And as a result, you owe God nothing as it relates to the payment for sin. If you understand that, say amen. amen. And if indeed I am right with God, how many guys believe that you're right with God because of what Jesus did? Let me see you again. Okay, how many guys believe that the price was paid? Let me see you wave. Okay, so if indeed Jesus did the job, then what work is it left for me to do to either earn or keep my salvation? Now that we've settled the righteousness question, that we are indeed right with God because of what Jesus did, not because of what we can do, the next thing I want us to look at for us as Christian believers is, well, what now does works have to do with my life? Because what we've done over the years, guys, is we've said, yes, we believe God, I believe Jesus, I believe I'm saved, uh, but I still gotta work to maintain this salvation. I still have to work to earn my jewels and crowns in heaven. I still have to work so that I will qualify for the glory of God or the blessings of God in my life. And we've been kind of looking at that over the last you know, a few services that uh, that's just not the case. So tonight I wanna kind of introduce something to you that we're gonna talk about for the next few ser uh, services that I am up here teaching and that's uh, gonna be the true origin and purpose of good works. Now, we're still in the We Are Righteous message, but this is kind of a subsection in there, and I'm calling it the true origin and purpose of good works. Good works should definitely be in the life of every believer. However, good works are not a requirement for you to be saved. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna to prove to you tonight that to perform good works the way God intended is impossible to do until you actually get saved. See, we've had a sequence issue. We've taught that once you're good, then you'll get everything you need from God. Well, that was true under the law. But under the gospel of grace, that's not the sequence anymore. It's not, I have to be good, then God's going to be good to me. 
It's that I can only be good once God's goodness has been received and accepted in my life. And as a result, now I make him Lord of my life and I tell him, what do I need to do now to, how can I say, follow your good will for my life? And my obedience to his will for my life is the good works that you now will see. But without me making him Lord and without me following him, it's impossible. His voice is the voice I'm following. And I can only have his voice if I get saved, right? So if I'm not saved, how am I going to know what good works to do? But see, what we've done is, is we've said, well, you know, uh, even though you're saved, you still have to perform these good works and God's word to tell you the good works. And so you keep doing those good works so you can stay saved. That's not, that's not the purpose of the good works that are being produced from your life. That, it, by, by saying that, guys, what we're actually saying is you get saved and for the rest of your natural life on earth, you have to keep doing good stuff focused on yourself, focused on your personal salvation, focused on your personal prosperity for the rest of your life in order to be right with God, and that's what God wants. And every now and then, you might want to go witness to somebody else. That, but that's what we've made Christianity to be, haven't we? It's get saved and then come to church and figure out how to, how to stay saved. How many of you guys know that once you're saved, you're good? The question is, is do you believe that? And if you believe it, then you'll find yourself right where God wants you to be. So let's look at this. <clears throat> I wrote this um, little sequence out that I want to give to you. It starts off, <coughs> excuse me, it starts off with the word love. Everybody say love. So you have love first. I wish I would have brought a board up here because then you could have seen this. Let me pop this little cough dropper real quick. Uh, the second word is grace. Everybody say grace. grace. <clears throat> so you have love, and that leads to grace. And then grace leads to this word called sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. So this is going to kind of be like school tonight. So I just want you to really get this and follow along because I'm going to tell you what this sequence is all about. So what was, what was the first one? What was the second one? What was the third one? Okay, the next one is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Then the one after that is belief slash faith. There's going to be a few of these, so just stick with me. Belief slash faith. The next one is received, and all of these lead to the next. So I, in, my, in my notes, I have like an arrow pointing to the next one like this. So the next one is receive righteousness. So belief slash faith, that leads to receive righteousness. The next one is salvation. The one after that is choose his will. That leads to God transforms my mind. That leads to good works produced. Now I want you to underline that and circle that. Because <laughs> that's what we're kind of focusing on tonight. Good works produced. 
that leads to Holy Spirit's fruit is produced in and out of me. That leads to my fruit blesses others. And that leads to I share him with others. Okay, I'm going to go through that kind of quick again, just make sure you got them all. All right, so the first one was love. That leads to grace. That leads to sacrifice. That leads to forgiveness. That leads to belief slash faith. That leads to receive righteousness. That leads to salvation. That leads to choose his will. That leads to God transforms my mind. That leads to good works produced. That leads to the Holy Spirit's fruit is produced in and out of me. That leads to my fruit blesses others. And that leads to I share him with others. Everybody got that? Oh, right, cool. All right, let me tell you what this is. So, since I've been saved and going to church, and especially ministering, I've always looked at just being a Christian and what the heck does that mean and how does this go? What is the sequence and what is the path that we're supposed to be on every day? Because I've heard a million messages telling me, here's what you're supposed to be doing with your life as a believer. But oftentimes, everyone took one of these things and made it seem like it was everything. And I was kind of like, well, what does this all look like together from like beginning to end? Help me understand how did I get saved? Why did I get saved? And what in the world am I supposed to be doing right now? Because I want to be pleasing in the Father's sight. I want to serve him. I want to do all that I need to do. But then this gospel of grace kind of dropped the bomb right in the middle of everything and just blew up works, blew up, changed my belief, turned everything around. And, had, and I don't know about you, but it made me stop and say, well, shoot, how am I supposed to pray then? <laughs> what am I supposed to be doing? Who, okay, well, well who, who, if I'm not supposed to be using these works for me, who am I supposed to use them for? And I sat down, and as I was studying, the Holy Spirit gave me this sequence, and he said that it all begins with God's love. Amen? John 3, 16 says, for God so what? Loved who? That he did what? Yeah, he gave his only begotten son, who was Jesus, so that whosoever should believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. So, we all understand and know that man had a big problem. Man had a what type of problem? A sin problem. Amen? We looked at that in depth in Romans 5. As a matter of fact, go to Romans 5, 8. Man had a sin problem, and God loved us so much, he did not leave us in that place or state of sin. Instead, we read how God put us in the place of what we call and what we see in the New Living Translation. It says a place of undeserved privilege. We are now saved. Amen? Romans 5, 8 says it this way. Uh, it says, but God showed his great what? That's where this whole thing begins. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to do what? To die for us once we acted right. Once we became perfect. Once we chose him. No, it says, while you were still a sinner, unworthy, maybe not even paying attention to God, he sent his son, Jesus, to die for you. 
it begins understanding what we're supposed to be doing as Christians and what's the purpose and origin of good works. To, to begin to remotely understand what am I supposed to be doing today, right now with my life, you have to understand how this whole thing began. It all began with God loving you while you were still a sinner. Hear what I'm saying. This is so important. God loved you while you were not even doing good works. You were actually doing bad works. <laughs> and he loves you so much, he sent Jesus while you were still doing bad works. He didn't require you to stop doing your bad works before he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus when he knew you were still messing up. So the purpose of my works can't be just to have God feel good about me because if my works made God feel good about me, then that means my bad works would have made God feel bad about me and he'd have never sent Jesus. So this is one of the first steps in debunking this idea of bad works causes Jesus not to want to have nothing to do with you. Jesus wanted something to do with you while you were a sinner. I'll say that again. Jesus wanted everything to do with you while you were a sinner. So this all starts with God's love. Do you see that? Okay, the second thing is then it goes from God's love to grace. Somebody say grace. Now, go to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. So here is God's love. He, he, you know, he uh, sent Jesus. And this is a very, I'm about to take you to two very interesting scriptures. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, God saved you by his grace. When you did what? Believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Verse 9. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. So we're, we're talking about the purpose and origin of works. So based on this scripture alone, is the purpose of your good works so that you can be saved? That would literally negate that means you're actually going in the complete wrong direction if you're trying to live a life saying, I have to be right to be saved. I have to, sorry, I have to work right to be saved. You're righteous because of what Jesus did, not because of the good works you do. That's what that scripture says. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done then what in the world is salvation? Salvation is a free gift given to you because of God's grace. He loved you so much, he set up a plan. And then his grace, his unmerited, undeserved favor, put that plan into action. Go with me to John chapter 1, verse 14. Now I'm going to make a very bold statement to you real quick. Grace is not just a... Uh, a lot of people don't really fully understand what grace is. I need you to know that grace indeed is a person. His name is Jesus. So the word became human and made his home amongst us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness is what this version says. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Go to the King, I think it's the King James version of this.
and the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And what does that say? Full of and what? Full of grace and truth. When you study this out and you look at that word full of grace, it actually means this, and it blew my mind. Thoroughly permeated with. Thoroughly permeated with. And the word, we're talking about Jesus, was made flesh and he dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And Jesus was thoroughly permeated with grace and truth. What does it mean to be thoroughly permeated with something? Hmm? Huh? Soaked. It's in every, it's saturated. It's, it's in every cell. It's in every, it's, it's you and you're it and you're one. Jesus doesn't just have grace and truth. He is grace and truth. That's why it's so important, again, to write your divide and really study the word and see what it says. Because I said, wait a minute. I said, as I was writing this sequence down, I said, well, I had grace and Jesus right next to each other. I had grace and then Jesus' sacrifice. And I, I said to him, I struggled. I said, wait, but he, he's a sacrifice, but, but he, it looked like he graced. And I said, Holy Spirit, you got to show me. And then I went to that. He showed me the scripture. And I went, and it was just like, what it says, full of grace and truth. And I'll say it like Dr. Dollar said, that just might have been a, what do you say, a gutless translator <laughs> that, uh, that didn't quite divide that thing the right way. He wasn't just full of grace. And that's like saying God is full of love. No, he is love. Jesus is grace. And grace that we didn't deserve showed up and sacrificed himself on that cross for you and I. If you understand that, say amen. amen. Grace did the work. Jesus did the work. So your work is not only to not save yourself, but it's not so that you can become the sacrifice. That's not the purpose of your works, amen? So whose grace? Whose grace? Jesus. Yeah, yeah, so Jesus, who is grace, sacrificed himself. And when he did that, the next part of the sequence, all your sins were forgiven and cleansed. All of your sins have been forgiven and cleansed. You say, prove it to me. I say, okay. Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23. See, by the time we get done with this tonight, you not only have this sequence, but you'll have the scriptures that go along with it. And I hope this will help you even as you communicate this to other individuals uh, about the finished works of Jesus and properly placing our works in the equation so that they'll understand that you don't have to work to be saved. Amen. Romans 3.23 says, for all have what? Sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 24. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in who? Christ Jesus. So this is all done by him. Verse 25. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Go to the um, New Living Translation and uh, let's read verse 25 so you can see it even clearer. It says, for God presented Jesus as the, that's what we were just talking about, 
before, he was a sacrifice for, oh, he wasn't just a sacrifice for me. No, he, he, he's a sacrifice for me. Don't get you out of the way. Your sin was the problem. Let's, let's be, you see, that's the thing. You got to be precise with this. He wasn't just a sacrifice for you. He was a sacrifice for your sin. Your sin was the issue. Adam's sin was the issue. The sin had to be paid for. But when you start making it all about just you, now you think that you got to do all this work to get you together. You were never the problem, it was your sin. Amen? For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin, people are made right with God when they do what? When they believe. When they, when they believe. Which, by the way, is the next part of the sequence. God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe. But believe what? That Jesus sacrificed his life. You can't just tell me I'm a believer. I'm a believer. What you believe in? I believe in God. So do the demons. So does the devil. That doesn't make you say. That doesn't make you the righteous. You're the righteous when you believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. This is showing you that there is no more punishment for your sin. Jesus took it all. That's why I say that the next one is about forgiveness. All your sins are forgiven and they're all cleansed. Do you see that? Okay, so then the next step is uh, what? What did you have written down? Yeah, belief and faith. So you see right here it says uh, people are made right with God when they do what? When they act right? When they stop sinning? When they give $10,000 in an offering, when you reach that level, you're the righteousness, right? No, no, no. It says when you believe. What does it cost you to believe in the natural? Huh? How much money does it cost you to believe? How much church attendance does it cost you to believe? How many outreaches does it cost you to believe? What do you have to do to believe? Believe. I really want y'all to get this. It sounds so simple because it's so simple, but it's kind of not so simple because we've been taught so many other things that made it not so simple. What do I have to do to believe? Believe. But let's, let's, let's really clarify that. In order to believe, I have to trust God. That's really what I have to do to believe. It's going to cost me my trust. It's going to cost me my reliance. It's going to cost me my dependence on him. When I believe God, I am no longer, I'm saying I'm no longer independent. I have now become dependent upon his word. I've become dependent upon his promises. I've become dependent upon his love. When I believe, I am giving up my life. So while it costs me Naturally, nothing, in, in essence, is really costing me everything. Hence, the death of myself begins my life in Christ. So I believe. I have faith in what God's word says. I have confidence to the point that I am moved to action.
Now this happens, my belief can only happen after the sacrifice of Jesus has actually taken place. Otherwise, I don't have nothing to believe in. Because what does it say? Believe in what? That Jesus sacrificed his life. So again, this is not just random, arbitrary belief. This is belief in what Jesus did. Do you see that? So I, I wrote down, I believe by faith in what Jesus did for me with his sacrificed body and blood that was required for my sins and the punishment that comes with those sins. Understand, sin had a price. That's why that word propitiation was used. That's why he talks about for the remissions of your sins. Something was owed because of your sins. And God loved us so much that he said, I'm going to send Jesus. And Jesus was cool with it. And he literally became the payment for our sins. And I'm asking tonight, if he put in all that work and effort, what are we trying to do? How could we outwork that? How could we outperform the all-time performer? You know, I got this thing right now in basketball. They're trying to see who's the break greatest. Was it Kobe? Was it LeBron? Was it Jordan? Was it whom? With Jesus, they're, they're, he got the highest stats there are. He perfect, perfectly fulfilled the law. Ain't nobody beating him. Hang up his jersey on your church rafter. It's a wrap. It's done. There is nobody who's going to outperform him. And, and so we just have to settle the fact that all the work is done. Amen? And so I believe in his finished works that what he did, what he sacrificed and everything that it took and that it worked. Uh, let's go back to Romans. Romans uh, 5. Let's look at verses 1 and 2 and we'll hang out in the New Living Translation. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Romans 5, uh, 1 and 2 in the NLT says, Therefore, since we have been made what? Therefore, since we have been made what? Now notice, it didn't say you're being made right. I'm going to get a little bit ahead of myself just for the sake of clarity. The only thing that's being made is your renewed mind. But you're made right with God. Again, we've taken and we've blurred that together. The only thing that's still in process is that mind, those will, that, that will and those wills. Hopefully you ain't got more than one wills going on. Uh, but that mind, your will, and those emotions. That's what's growing. That's what's maturing. That's what the Holy Spirit, that's what God, that, that's what they're working on. But your righteousness your spirit being right with God, the real you, is settled. Amen? Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, how? By faith. Again, this is by your belief, by faith. So, so again, the word just proves itself over and over and over again. By the way, whenever you're hearing stuff like this, the preacher shouldn't just say one scripture and didn't run off. You should be able to prove it by a few scriptures. Amen? 
Because if I'm sitting up here saying, no, your works doesn't matter. And then I have one scripture that says something kind of like that. And then every other scripture you see say, but you got to work for it. You got to work for it. You got to work for it. How many guys know you got a problem? Well, the same is true in reverse. If anybody's sitting there pretending you got to work for it, you got to work for it, you got to work for it, but you keep saying belief, faith, belief, faith, belief, faith. You got, you got to say, uh, excuse, no, don't, don't get yourself thrown out of churches and stuff. But you know, you, you got to pause that thing in your heart and say, something wrong here. But we see right here, it's, it's a may right in God's sight by faith. We have what? That's that word peace. And again, if you study that particular version out, it's the one we've been talking about. This peace is not just harmony. It's talking about an assurance of the fact that you're right with God. So you don't have anything to fear from him, no punishment. We have peace with God because of who? Jesus, but it's because of what? What he has done. Who did the work? Again, we're trying to figure out, but where's my work? It ain't came up yet. Think about that sequence I just gave you. It was God, Jesus, God forgiving, you're believing, but we still haven't seen what we supposed to do. That's because you ain't got nothing to do with your salvation. You ain't got nothing to do with your righteousness. This was God swearing by himself and fixing your problem by himself. Well, how come? Why didn't he let me get involved? Because we messed it up the first time. <laughs> so God said, I'm going to fix this for me, by me, <laughs> and with me. And he took care of it all by himself. And it's hard for man to, to accept that. We just want to be a part of it. <laughs> We want to be a part of our salvation, and God is saying, no, your part is just to believe. Why? Because if we got involved in the salvation process, guys, we, we got a problem, and I want you to hear what I'm saying, in the natural with our blood. It, it's, it's, it's that sin that came from Adam that was in the seed of man so we can't get involved in that part of the process because we're an unworthy offering without Christ. Did you see that? So if me and you get involved in that, that's why Christ had to, that's why Jesus had to be born around a seed. He, he, the seed of man never impregnated Mary because if a seed of man, had, if, if God had let Joseph and Mary get pregnant and then tried to bless Jesus somehow, that wouldn't have worked because Joseph carried the seed of man. He carried the sin problem. Are you seeing this? And so as a result, God said, ugh, got to not use a man. So instead, by the spirit of going to get her pregnant, he got my DNA, he got my blood. Amen. But he's going to be born of a woman because he has to physically have an earth suit on earth to be the sacrifice. Because man has to pass this law test. And that's how God worked his way around that thing. But me and you, we were, we, unless you, your name Anakin Skywalker, you was born in midichlorians without, without a man, you know, which I don't think that's any of us in this room. We were all born of a man and woman. All my Star Wars people got that. Everybody else is like, midichlorians, what is that? But, but, but we're not the chosen one, you know what I'm saying? So as a result, we have to rely on what Jesus did. Amen? So 
again, back to our work, though, he's the only one working right now. Are you seeing that? Amen. Okay, so uh, what's that, verse 1? Okay, let's go to verse 2. Verse 2. It says, because of our faith, there's a, there it is again, Christ has brought us into this place of what? Undeserved privilege. So I want you to see this. This place of righteousness, this place that grace has made available, it exists for every human being. But the, the access key, if you will, is belief, it's faith. Because it, that's what it says, right? Because of your faith, I got a pass, I got a key. Christ then says, hey, what's up? Come on in. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we used to stand. Yeah, where we now stand. What can take me out of there? Not my works. Because my works didn't bring me in. My faith brought me in. It was, let me stop, stop, back up. Jesus brought me in. My faith was my access key. If only, if Jesus brought me in, who can take me out? Only Jesus. Only Jesus. The only way for me to get out is Jesus said, you got to get out. And I haven't seen any scripture in the Bible where it says, and Jesus will kick you out of this place of undeserved privilege if you do this. That's, that's not what it says. Jesus brings me in. Now, what does my faith do? My faith get, brings me to the door. If I don't believe in nothing he's saying, I'm not showing up at the door. I was talking to somebody the other day, and we have to look at this, but I was just talking to somebody the other day about the, um, we're talking about the uh, unpartonable sin, and, and it was like, yeah, it's unpardonable because Jesus can't pardon a person who doesn't believe in him. It's not that you do something, and as a result, you're kicked out. If you don't even believe in the court system, you can't be acquitted. You can't be pardoned. You won't even show up to court. So you just stay guilty. It's not that your pardon's not available. Unbelief is at the end of the day, uh, that's what grieves the Holy Spirit. That's what denies him. And you're saying, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the Holy Spirit. I don't believe in none of that. Now, all this is made available. This place and space is made for you, but you don't believe in none of that. Well, I can't pardon. I can't forgive somebody who won't believe. It's not that it's not available. You don't believe in the whole system. So by your own choice and denial, you're damning yourself. Do you understand that? But in church, we've taken that and twisted that and made it sound like you can work your way out. Hey, yeah, Archie, all this is true, but you know it's still that, that, that unpardonable sin. So you, if, you, if, you, if you sin enough, then you get kicked out. Now, if you deny all of this that we're talking about, including the finished works of Jesus and the Savior and God and all of that, then yeah, you can't, you can't benefit from what you don't believe. Because again, your faith is what brings you to the door so Jesus can bring you on in. Amen? But the good news is, if he brought you in, only he can take you out. Amen? And he ain't doing that. Amen. All right, so um, it says where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Okay, so you see that. So it started with God's love, then grace, who is Jesus, sacrificed, 
All my sins have been forgiven and cleansed. Still no work on my behalf. I believe by faith in what Jesus did for me with his sacrificed body and blood that was required for my sins and the punishment that comes with those sins. Now none of that has anything to do with me because Jesus dealt with all of that. Do you see that? Okay, so now I'm in this place that my faith has brought me to and Jesus brings me in and once he brings me in, I, have, I am made righteous. I still haven't worked for anything. I'm made righteous because of what Jesus did. Are you seeing this? You know I'm going to give you a scripture, right? Amen. All right, so let's go to Romans 5, verse 19. I receive this righteousness. I am now the righteous and I am no longer a sinner. Romans 5, 19 says, because one person, everybody say one person, one person. disobeyed God, many became what? That's you and me in the past, <laughs> before you believed. Amen? But, somebody say but. Thank God for the but. Because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Who is that one person who obeyed God? Yeah. And if I believe in that righteousness, now I'm stepping into this place of undeserved privilege and I am the righteous. I am no longer a sinner. I still haven't performed any works for God yet. Want to know why? Because he is not requiring my performance for salvation. He's just requiring my belief in what Jesus did and the gift that he gave saying here's my gift so you can be made right with me and as you're made right with me we'll work on you but we can't work on you until we can talk until we can hang out until I can share intimate things with you so I gotta fix the relationship problem first before I can fix the you issue Amen. So what's our next one? Yeah. So I receive righteousness. I've, re I've received the fact that I'm the righteousness. Now, it's important to understand this. Salvation then comes next because I can't be saved if I'm not right. Are you, are you hearing me? And you may say, well, isn't that semantics? No, I'm telling you. This is what's been throwing people off this whole time. People get saved and they gloss over the fact that they're right with God. That you're permanently right with God because of what Jesus did. If we don't settle righteousness first before salvation, people are trying to walk in salvation with this thing in the back of their mind saying, but I'm still wrong. And that's what traps people. Righteousness comes first. Because that's what Jesus did. He, made, he, he sacrificed making you righteous but you got to believe it so because somebody will stop and say wait so everybody's righteous everybody has the opportunity to come into the room only those who have faith and believe so see that's the difference between some who preach that everybody's saved everybody's good we're all going to be in heaven the difference is that scripture that said faith Jesus brings you in it's open to everybody it's almost like, imagine, like everybody has a 
righteous spot that God has made for them, but there's a lot of those spots that are empty because people are saying, I don't believe. I don't believe. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in what Jesus did. I don't believe. Now, you know what's kind of freaky about this, though? Freaky is probably not the right word. That's the one that came to mind. Uh, what's kind of weird about this, though, <laughs> is there's a lot of those spots that are filled with people that you and I would judge as unworthy. Their works doesn't get them to that spot. Their belief does. I thoroughly believe there are probably millions of people around this world who are 100% bona fide saved because they believe in what Jesus did for them. But they have no good teaching. They have no good understanding. So while they're standing in this place of undeserved privilege, their minds still aren't renewed. So they still got a behavior issue in the natural. But if you sit down and talk to them, they love God. They understand what Jesus did. They, like many of us, though, just received bad teaching and we're seeing the fruit in the natural. But because we think it's all about works, we look at their fruit and say they, they can't be saved. No, you got to be careful. There's a lot of those spots that are filled with people that we think are not saved. And it ain't none of your business anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> we, we, need, we need to be just making sure we're doing what God tells us to do as we get to the end of this, and you'll see what I'm saying. Amen. But, I, that, but that, that was for somebody because uh, you may be able to encourage somebody else with that so that they understand that they're not messed up with God because they've been kind of, you know, living like a hellion in some ways, but at the same time, they love God. They're trying to figure out how to, how to balance this thing out. Bring them all the way back to the fact that you're the righteousness of God, period. You're saved, period. Now, let me show you where you may be off because that's why we're, we're kind of walking through this message right now because I want you to make sure you're locating even yourself and seeing where's the place that I got a little fuzzy understanding. And as you see this in the word, then you can make the adjustment and keep moving. Because you're going to need everybody in this room, everybody on the sound of my voice, everybody on Sunday, you're going to need to be able to walk others through this. Amen? This is part of our ministry of reconciliation, but we have to understand it first. Okay, let's keep going. What's the next one? So I receive righteousness. I'm no longer a sinner. I'm saved. Oh, did we, did we get the scripture for I'm saved? No, okay, so I'm saved, and I have all of the benefits that come with salvation. So Romans uh, 10, 9, and 10. That's a very familiar scripture to us all. Romans 10, 9, and 10. Let me get ready to wrap up. <laughs> Romans 10, 9, and 10. Uh, let's start with verse 9. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, now I'll only say what I believe. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and... Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You, here's a promise, will be saved. I'm declaring what I believe to be true. I believe it in my heart, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions, my soul. Still no works. Still no works. I do this and I'm saved. 
I have all the benefits now of salvation. Prosperity, health, wealth, all those types of things. Still no works, only believing. Do you see that? Uh, verse 10. For it is by, then he, then he says it again. For it is by believing in your heart that you are what? You said. Okay, let's back up. You read that first part and go up to the, the, uh, the comma there. Ready? Read. We got to start letting that be enough, y'all. <laughs> and you don't have to wake up and re-believe every day. Settle in the fact that you believe. Settle in the fact that you're right with God. Settle the fact that, that you are the righteous. Settle in the fact that you're saved. So you can get, get moving and having a relationship now with God. Some of us are still at the front door and God's like, you live here. <laughs> Welcome home. And you've been at that front door for 15 years. And he's like, come sit down by the fireplace. I got things I need to tell you. But you keep ringing the doorbell. <laughs> he's like, the door's open. Jesus is literally standing there with his hand out. It's time for you to believe so you can come on in. Amen? It says, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So salvation is uh, then the next step. So after um, I declare and I know the fact that I'm saved, what's next? Hmm? Yeah, choose his will. Now, I make him Lord of my life. See, making him Lord of my life is not getting saved. Getting saved is you believing in what Jesus did. So I really want you to put a star Highlight whatever, because this is where most Christians start getting off. Most Christians who've been in church for some time. I make him Lord of my life, choosing to put his will above mine's, yielding myself to him. That's what making him Lord of my life is. It's, it's nevertheless, not my will, your will. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. He literally was like, I'm not going by what I want to do. I'm just going to serve God. Serving God is making God Lord of your life. Serving God is making God Lord of your life. Serving God <laughs> is making God Lord of your life. Not going to church. Going to church is not making God Lord of your life. Sowing is not making God Lord of your life. Worship or praise or singing is not necessarily making God Lord of your life. Someone who's made God Lord of their life will do all of those things. But Jesus gave us a perfect example of what it looks like to make him Lord. He spent three years of demonstrating what that looked like. He went wherever he told him to go, and he did whatever he told him to do. Sin was not an issue. Jesus, what scripture do you see where it talks about Jesus struggling to live right? That, that, that wasn't an issue. He, he, he was, that, that, his righteousness, his, his salvation, all that was secure. 
It was all about what's your will because I got work to do based on your will. Here's the purpose of your work. The purpose of your work is not to save yourself or to make yourself right or to maintain your salvation. The purpose of your work is to serve God. Your salvation is secure. Your righteousness is secure. But now once you make him Lord of your life, there's work to do. Some of you need me to show you this. That's cool. I'll show it to you. Go with me to Psalms 37.4. This is a very familiar scripture for a lot of us. And, and you, you know there's other scriptures that go with this, but for the sake of time, we're starting with these. And then as we dig into this over the next <clears throat> few services, we'll uh, look at other ones. Uh, take delight in who? The Lord. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Uh, let's look at this in a few versions. I think the uh, Amplified is a, a good one, too. Uh, go, to, go to the Amplified. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires and secret petitions of your heart. Let's look at the ERV as well. Enjoy, that. that's what I was looking for. Enjoy what? Serving the Lord. And he will give you whatever you ask for. How come? Because you're doing what he wants you to do. Now here's the first place you see your work. This is the first place you see your hands and your feet actually doing something. You have nothing to do with your salvation, but you have God's purpose for your work is to serve him in this earth. This man said, what the word he want me to do? Well, I'm getting like four messages ahead of myself, but you think of what did Jesus say to do? Yeah, the great, the great uh, commandment of love, the royal law of love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then what? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I can't love my neighbor and see him sitting there dying and going to hell. I need to go and serve him with what I got. I'm full of the love of God. He ain't got none. Yet he has a never-ending reservoir in his position that is empty that I need to show him and lead him to. Because I love him so much, I am going to tell him about the good news of the gospel of grace. I am going to walk in my ministry of reconciliation and I will grab his or her hand and bring them to a point of understanding where they can have faith and I'm going to lead them to Jesus who will then take over and save them. Now understand, I can't save them, right? I can't save them, why? Because I ain't the righteous without Christ. But I sure can witness of what he did for me, of his good news, and bring him right up to Jesus and say, now, Jesus can save you. Jesus can take care of you. And that's the work I'm supposed to be doing over and over and over again. I might come up to somebody who needs healing. And as it says in Acts 1 and 8, and ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come what up on you to do what there it is be witnesses unto me all over this world Lord give me power get out and start ministering to the world give me all the power you need oh, I think God has made me a prophet and da, da, da. you ain't prophesying to nobody until you go out there those who need prophecy because everybody in here is saved they got the Holy Spirit prophesying to them every single day. 
Stand up. Ain't God said, sit down. Now, I'm not saying that might not happen every now and then, but, but you got to get some unsaved folk in the room who don't know him. Amen. See, the church don't want to hear this nowadays because we want to go back to the days, you know, where, where we, can, we can just see people falling out. and Y'all know we've been doing that for about the last 50 years, right? Eventually, the saved is going to start ministering to the saved. The righteous is going to start ministering to the righteous. And that's what has happened. And the world has now recognized that, and they're not showing up at the churches because they're like, you ain't talking to me. You talking to you. So as soon as you get to talking to me, I'll be there. I mean, how many places y'all go when people don't talk to you? Anybody? Some of y'all are real nice. You might do it for a little bit. But after a while, you're like, y'all are literally ignoring me. <laughs> I'm not going back over their house no more. And that's what happened. Don't nobody want to come to your house and you ain't talking to them? And so we, we're, we've spent the last year and a half having this conversation about the Holy Spirit and about knowing God. But I've been warning y'all for a minute now. It's time to go out. We're we not going to just be no doggone dead church sitting here talking to each other all day. Amen. I don't want to keep talking to you. <laughs> you good. I'm ready to see you walk. I'm ready to see you run. I'm ready to see you, you fly with him. Amen? Amen? The Bible says it this way, that the world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. What you think they waiting on? They want his love. They want to understand his grace. They want to see what we're talking about right now, that, that I don't have to work to be right with him. I don't have to work to receive his love. I don't have to work to be saved. All I got to do is believe him. A lot of them going to find out they already saved and didn't know it. Y'all think I'm playing. They going to look at this and say, I, I've been doing that. I've been believed in what Jesus did on the cross. Are you telling me I've been saved this whole time and didn't even know it? I have had faith because this other guy over here told me I had to do all this stuff. But you're telling me I just had to believe in what Jesus did and accept that? I did that when I was six. I've been saved this whole time. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You have been. And, and, and imagine the freedom that will come in people's lives when they understand that. That you're good with God. Not because of your works. You're good with God because Jesus, who was grace, died for your sins and you're good with God because God loved you. And it's that simple. If you understand that, say amen. All right, let's get ready to close this part out, guys. So what, what's the next one? Yeah, God transformed my mind. Or what's another word for that transformed? He renews my mind. So I got to make him Lord. I got I to let his, his, his will become my will. I got to choose to serve him. And now that I've made him Lord, now remember, we're on the back end of this thing now, right? Now that I've made him Lord, my righteousness thing is taken care of, my salvation thing is taken care of, now I, I need to listen to him. Tell me what you want to do. Oh, you want me to do that? I don't know how to do that. Give me wisdom, like it says in James 1. 
show me how to do what I don't know what, how to, what to do. Oh, you need me to do this on a job? Teach me. Oh, I got the Holy Ghost who is my teacher and will teach me all things. Now you're starting to see that you're equipped for all this good work not to save yourself. You're equipped to do all the things that he's called you to do outside of these four walls. You got a teacher. You got, never, you got, you got God wisdom. You got Holy Ghost raising folk from the dead power. That is equipment. In the military, they would call that a loadout. You got everything you need to go do what you got to do and be victorious. But that stuff is not for you to turn on you and say, I'm about to battle the devil. I'm about to go to spiritual warfare for my soul. I'm in spiritual warfare praying, praying for this and that and the other. No, 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 no. You got the victory already. You're supposed to be doing that for them. I said, you're supposed to be doing that for them, for the lost. We'll go to Romans 12, uh, 1, 2. Let me show you this real quick in the scripture about how our minds are renewed. You're about to see right now where the origin of good works comes from. It says, um, uh, go to the New Living Translation. We might come back to this version. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. <clears throat> Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Now, what's, what's them? Talking about your body. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So he's saying, listen, live right with your body. But then he tells you how. We always look at that and say, see, I told you, you're supposed to, you're supposed to do right with your body. Yes, but I can't do right with my body yet because I don't know how to. If I knew how to, I would have did it a long time ago. I've been trying to fix me. That's why I'm sitting here listening to you. But verse 2 tells you how it's done. Uh, verse 2, don't copy the behavior. So we're still on the same topic. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Okay, how do I not copy the behaviors and customs of this world? Let God transform you. There it is. I thought I had to fix me. And here this whole time, God is saying, I'll do it. I'll do it. How does he do it? He transforms you in that relationship we just talked about earlier that he just renewed. That relationship, not renewed, sorry, that he restored. When you are now the righteousness of God and you're now saved, now there's a pipeline, there's a relationship, there's a conduit, there's a conversation, there's communion that can take place that he can now spend time with you both with the Logos word, which is the written word, as well as with the rhema or the spoken word. That time was just you and him and you're talking. During that time, he will teach you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. During that time, he will change the way you think. Even right now, this is a time where I'm talking, but you're hearing something behind what I'm saying, and that's the Holy Spirit. But this should be just one of your relational times with him. This is a public relational time. You're supposed to go privately and have this same type of time with him. And I'm going to tell you, I praise God for Dr. Dollar. I praise God for these messages because I go home and watch them too because they minister to me too. But it ain't nothing like me just sitting with him and getting that Bible on my own and getting as many translations as I can so I can understand it because I don't speak Elizabethan. Uh, so I'm like, I need every version. And then just hanging out with him and then getting revelation 
And I'm telling y'all, it changes the way I think. It renews my mind on all types of topics and subjects. And as a result of my mind being renewed, guess what happens? My actions or my behavior changes. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, <clears throat> but let God transform you into a new person, changing the way you think. When you change the way you think, you'll change the way you live. But you can't do the changing, God has to do it. It says, then you will learn to know God's will for you. Wasn't that what we were just talking about in Psalms uh, 37.4, serving the Lord? Not my will, but your will be done. The only way to know his will is to be transformed by him. The only way to know his will is to be transformed by him. Are you seeing the sequence of that thing? I know his will, then I can serve him. But I can't serve him without knowing his will, and I can't know his will without being transformed. So right now, we're all constantly in a transformation process. But understand, your transformation process is not just about you learning how to do good. Let me say that, let me say that differently. It's not just about you learning how to not sin. That's part of it. But the transformation process is so you can know his will so you can go and serve. Amen? You know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Amen? So he renews my mind by his word. My the next one, my changed mind leads to changed works. And these changed works over time are free from sin and produced by the Holy Spirit, resulting in his love being the fruit that comes from my life. Remember, the Holy Spirit lives well. Where? On the inside of us. We, we know people by the fruit they bear. God talks about our love being, his love being in us, and that's how we, he can see that we're children of God. There's a work that takes place when you get saved. Your root was sinner, but now your root is righteous. And when your root becomes righteous or, and, and you become a saint and you become saved, it's a replacement now. That root of saint, righteous, saved is God, who is, according to 1 John 4, 8, love, right? So if my root is love, then what should come off my tree? Yeah. If my root is an apple root for an apple tree, what type of fruit should I expect coming off that tree? Lemons? Apples. Peaches? Yeah. Love should produce love. Go with me to Galatians 5.22. So there's a change that happens on the inside that results in people seeing this fruit on the outside. Galatians 5.22 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life. And again, I think this was another translation challenge, but the first one is indeed love. And I believe that all these other ones actually are products that come out of love. But the fruit of the Spirit is indeed, it starts with love. Now think about that. We say that all the time. You was in Bible school, in Sunday school, that you, paint, you colored the little tree with all the different fruits and all that type of stuff. But the bottom line is we got to think about what this says. The fruit, the produce, what is produced, the production of the Spirit of God on the inside of you is love. And not just any love, 
it's, it's, not, it's not just liking people. It's agape. It's God type of love. It's unconditional love. Literally what happens is as you spend more time with him, you're being transformed. Your mind is being renewed. Something's happening on the inside. All of a sudden, you're more peaceful. You're more calm. You have more joy. All of a sudden, you're more kind. You're good all of a sudden. You're faithful all of a sudden. What's the next one? 23. I think is think that you're meek. Uh, and yeah, there you go. You're gentle. You got self-control. All of this changed behavior, all of this changed works comes from Holy Spirit being on the inside of me, transforming me. Do you see that? These aren't just things that you're supposed to work to try to attain. These are things that he automatically produces in you. The thing is, is if you would get out the way and stop trying to work this out on your own, it would be a natural process. You can't spend time with God and not produce this. That's why anybody who out of control, who ain't gentle, go backwards, go to 22, who ain't good, who ain't kind, who ain't faithful, who ain't patient, who ain't peaceful, who don't have no joy. It doesn't mean they're not necessarily saved, but it shows beings they ain't spending no time with God. They're not developing this fruit. They're not transforming. Now, does that make them a bad person? No, God still loves them. It's just they need to get an understanding that, hey, your fruit is, is, is not being produced because your tree ain't getting no water. Your tree ain't getting no sun. You need to come spend some time with the sun <laughs> and be refreshed by him and you'll start growing and producing and being who you've always tried to be. But you ain't got to try no more. All you got to do is spend time with the Father and allow him to transform you. Do you see that? So the Holy Spirit produces that fruit in our lives. You don't produce it, he produces it. Amen? I say, you don't produce it, he produces it. Amen? But he produces it for what reason? Is it just for you? No, my fruit blesses others. My fruit blesses others. And I'll give you the last one. We're going to do these last two together real quick. And once my fruit blesses others, then I share this good news about this gospel with other people. Here's my work. We got all the way to the end of this thing, and now we're finally seeing our work. Your work has nothing to do with your salvation. It has nothing to do with your righteousness. That's settled. Jesus did all that. Your work is to help save this world. Last couple of scriptures. Let's go to James chapter 14. And then I'm going to let you get out of here and go enjoy your 4th of July time. Amen. James, uh, four, uh, what did I say? James, what did I say, 2? Yeah, James 2.14. It says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it in your what? Your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Now, now, now many people have taken, taken the scriptures I'm about to show you, and they've taken that and used that as saying, this is why you're supposed to act right. You're supposed to, you're supposed to act right so you can prove that you're saved. That ain't what that just said. It says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, talking Christians, if you say you have faith, now remember this faith is what makes you the righteousness, this faith is what gets you saved, this faith is what, what, what basically you believe in what Jesus did. So what good is it for you to say you got all that, but you don't show it in your actions? 
But what's the purpose of showing him my actions? He says, can that kind of faith save anyone? That's what you're supposed to be working on is trying to help folks get saved. He ain't talking about, can it save you? You're saved. Your actions are supposed to be helping others get saved because you're saved. Let's keep going, verse 15. Suppose you see a brother or sister, because somebody may say, no, that's a play on English. He was saying, can that type of save, faith save anyone, meaning, can it save you? He starts breaking it down. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. Keep going. And you say goodbye, and you ha have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? He's talking about good work serving people. How can you say you got Jesus? How can you say you're saved? How can you say you're the righteousness of God and you won't serve? Can that type of faith, can that type of salvation, does that righteousness, it ain't doing nobody no good. Ain't nobody benefited from it but you. But make no, make no question about it, you got it. You're saved. But now your salvation, that righteousness, should produce some fruit that's going to help somebody else. Verse uh, 17. So you see, faith by itself is not enough. It's not saying faith by itself is not enough for you to be saved. We, that, that would contradict everything we just said. Because it takes me faith to lay hold of what Jesus did to be saved, right? So you automatically should know that ain't what that means. He's saying, you see, faith isn't enough for what? To help other people. Your faith alone is not going to help everybody else. There's some serving that has to be done. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. To who? To them. They don't just need your talk. Amen? They need the fruit that's coming off your tree. They need food. They need clothes. They need healing. They need a word from the Lord. They need what's on the inside of you that's coming out, which is the love of God. They need all of that. And now your faith is alive. Verse 18. Now someone may argue some people have faith, other people have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? How can you tell me you're saved? How can you tell me you're the righteousness of God? How can you tell me I'm a mature believer and there's no love coming off your tree? The love is supposed to be produced off your tree so that those who are hungry can come and eat from it. I don't know God, but I know you. I can't see God, but I see you. And every time I get around you, something happens good for me. Every time I get around you, I feel better. Every time I get around you, I have a peace. Every time I get around you, uh, you give me good advice. What does that sound like? That sounds like somebody's getting to know God through you. And so now what begins to happen is as, as you and them begin to relate with one another and commune with one another, then you go ahead and slip in there, but you know who this is really from. This is from the Father who loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus, who has prepared a place that you don't deserve, but it's yours nonetheless. And then you lead them to the true source of your root, who is Christ, amen? Verse uh, 19, and then we'll move. 
You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. <laughs> so what is he saying there? He's saying, just saying I believe in God, that's not enough. We got to have a faith that works, y'all. I said we have to have a faith that works. We have to have, and, I, and I'm, that's a little play on words. We have to have a faith that gets out there and goes to work. That's the purpose of your works. The origin of good works comes from God when he transforms you. You can't have good works until he transforms you. I said you can't have good works until he transforms you. Why? Because remember, when he transforms you, you can do his will. You could be doing works, but if it ain't, if you can be doing works that you think are good, but if it ain't his will, remember that said those were the good and pleasing and perfect works, the ones that are his will. Oh no, but I work at this church. But did God tell you to work in that church? You might be doing some works, but that ain't the perfect good work. So the origin of good works comes from the will of God. And I can only do those good works when I know his will. So that's where they come from. The purpose of those good works are to serve his people. Let's close out with these last two scriptures. Now y'all see why we got to spend a little more time on this? <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And our last one will be Mark 16, 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. The old life is where? The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So, so sin ain't your problem. Amen? Verse 18. And all of this is what? What does that mean? That means you can't work for it. All this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself. I told you he did this by himself. You ain't got nothing to do with it. But yet, you got everything to do with it because he loves you. But there's nothing for you to do. He said he brought you back to himself through Christ. This was God doing this with God through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. You could literally take this scripture and that's the entire message I just preached. Think about it. You got this gift of salvation from God. He did it all by himself, so stop trying to put yourself in that equation. It was all done through Christ, so believe in him. Now your job, your work, is to reconcile people back to him. Verse 19. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Do you see that? Is God still counting your sin? No, no, but, the, but they told me at the church I was at, but is God still counting your sin? No. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So you're like, what's the message of reconciliation? Because if I'm supposed to go and tell people about this, I need to know what it is. He just told you right there. God is no longer mad at you. God is no longer counting your sin against you. Jesus settled the debt. Jesus paid it all. Believe in him, you can be saved. That's it. That's the good news. He ain't mad at you. You're good. Uh, verse 20. So, we are Christ's ambassadors. What's an ambassador? 
It's a representative. So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Now you know why you got to do the work. He's like, I saved you. I'm hanging out with you. I'm transforming you. I'm changing you because you're my oracles. You're my Jesuses. You're the ones that I'm speaking through. You're the ones that I'm healing folks through. You're the ones that I'm ministering through. I'm making my appeal to my lost children because they're still his children. How many parents I got in this room right now? How would you feel if you had five kids and one of them was lost and you knew where they were at, but you couldn't get to them and you needed somebody's help? What would you do? You would get the help. You would do everything you could do to get that one. But, but I got four. But, but you understand that one's still out there. That's my child. And, and, and you can help me. You know where they're at. You know where they're at. You know what they need. But you just won't go get them. We would look at somebody in the natural if they did that and want to throw them in jail. I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty, but I think you know where I'm going. We're doing it every day as Christians. When we see his children lost out there and we know where they're at, we know what they need. Some of them are in our own families. And yet, because of fear, yet because of being stuck on ourselves or whatever other reason, we're sitting there not making his appeal to them. You have all the tools. Somebody talk about, well, you know, I, don't know, I do that for everybody but homosexual. I got dog. It made me so mad when folks start freaking out about these laws getting changed about the bathrooms and all that stuff. How dare the Democrats and how dare whomever else. I was like, shut up. All they just did was help us locate that group of sinners even clearer. All they did was help us locate those folks so now you, you know right where to go to share the love. Stand right outside that bathroom with the, you know, whatever on there and be like, do you know Jesus loves you? But see, we look at all that stuff, we get all fit to be tired and all messed up. And what I see is, now I know where they're at. Now I know what an alcoholic is. Now I know what a pornographer is. Now I know what a homosexual is. Because I'm not judging them, because their sin is no different than mine in, the God, in God's eyes. It's all forgiven. The difference is, is they don't know. Instead of you sitting there losing your mind because this law got changed and that law got changed, there's ways to deal with that. I'm not condoning the, sin, the laws that produce sin, but what I'm saying is, is that is just a beacon call for you and I to say that's where we need to go and make his appeal. Quit complaining and do something about it. And I ain't just talking about just vote. That's part of it. But go out there and minister. Make his appeal through us. We speak for who? That's an awesome responsibility. We speak for Christ when we plead. And what are we pleading? Come back to God. Verse 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Or Mark 6, 15, or Mark 16, 15, we'll close there. So guys, this is what it all boils down to. The origin of your work, your good works, comes from God. The purpose of them is to make his appeal. That's what you're supposed to be working on. And this was Jesus talking. 
He said, and then he told him, go into where? All the world and do what? Preach this good news to everyone. Go into all the world and preach this good news to everyone. That's where our work is supposed to be focused. I know they told you you need to be working on you. How's that working out? Why don't you just go on and just have a relationship and get to know God your Father and let Him work on you? And while you're at it, say, Lord, who do you want me to make your appeal to? Oh, Archie, you don't understand, but I just got saved. Well, you got probably the better testimony than all of us. Well, you understand, I still cuss. Well, that's all right. He'll work on that. Some of us still cuss too. Well, you understand, I still do this. That's all right. There's people sitting right next to you that probably do the same thing. Everybody got an issue. I said everybody got an issue. And anybody who tell you they don't, that's the issue. They, they're a liar. <laughs> you notice all throughout everything I just showed you, it didn't talk about nothing about your issues. Actually, it did. It said your issues aren't remembered by God. Why? Because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Where we probably will end up at the end of this year is where we ended up last year. It's time to go. It's time to go. It's not just for the pastors to go. We, we went. That's why we're here. Y'all, did you hear what I said? <laughs> we went. That's why we're here. We wasn't here before. He said, go. Start a church. And we said, okay. This is our going. This is the making of the appeal. I'm not saying we're done. We're far from done. We'll lead the way. Don't get me wrong. But I need you to see yourself now going. It, this might not be your pulpit in the natural. But, 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 but we all should be going. And then inviting people. That, you know, that's how, that's, how, that's how people come to church, by the way. They don't come to church because, because of fancy marketing. They don't come to church because of fancy singing. They don't come to church because of fancy, just because of fancy preaching and all that. You know how people come to church? Because somebody invites them. That's a fact. I remember I took this class long ago when I was uh, still in Bible school, and it was 80% of church growth happens by word of mouth. That's how it was. That's how it is. That's how it's going to be until Jesus returns. But we're beginning to close our mouths because we're still, we've gotten so focused on I. It's time to open up our mouths again and say, I need to get you to a place where you can hear about your righteousness. I need, you get, I need to take you to a place real quick so you can stop beating yourself up. I need to get you to a place so that you can develop a relationship with God. Now, I know you don't like reading the Bible, but they, they read versions that you can understand and that I can understand, and their whole goal is to preach the word so simple that anybody can understand it. They, and they ain't trying to take all your money either. Amen. It's time, y'all. Bring them so that they can meet him. Bring them so that they can grow in him. And then let's go ahead and do what we're called to do, which is change this world. Amen? So the true origin of your work comes from who? Yeah, from Jesus. 
And who's the one who transforms you so that you can do the good work? God. Romans 12, 2. God transforms you. Now, what's the aim or the purpose of your good work? Reconciliation. To, appe to appeal to the world. To preach this good news. So, guys, we're going to keep digging into this. And we're going to look at this a few different ways. And by the time it's all over, you'll be able to preach it yourself. Amen? Amen. Somebody came up to me at the end of a service the other day and said, just thanks because now I can explain this. That's the whole goal. It, it's for you to get it, but it's for you to be able to go out there and give it to others. And it ain't nothing like seeing the light bulb come on in somebody's life and they say, I now understand this. Amen? Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise for all of that. Amen. Um, Father, we thank you for the ministry of your word. We thank you uh, as we learn and understand the origins of good works and the purpose of good works. It all comes from you, and it's all for your purpose. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise for victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, now is the time of our service where we do so, where we do give. Uh, the Bible talks about God loves a cheerful giver, but that's, that's a giver who gives in line with his will. Abraham tithed before it was a law, but he tithed not because God made him. He was just simply honoring God, giving an offering. Absolutely fine to give an offering. We talk about it all the time. That's what the widow did with the mites. Mature believers sow, but I don't want you sowing out of fear. I don't want you giving money out of fear. You're blessed, period. Say that with me. Say, I'm blessed. But just like anything in this natural world, it takes money to keep lights on and to do what needs to be done. It takes money uh, to, to have a hub where we learn how to go out and make that appeal. So if this is your church, if this is what God is leading you to do, then so, by all means. Uh, to make it convenient, you can give by text, you can give by the offer an envelope out there. But I want you to understand, and I'll say this again and again and again, you're blessed. You're blessed. Now understand, as we grow and mature, we start learning that the purpose of us being blessed is to turn around and be a blessing so that others can be blessed. But that's between you and God, how you do that. Amen? So Father God, I just thank and praise you right now for the seeds that are sown. I thank and praise you for those that are sown by the phone or by offering envelopes. I thank you for uh, the tithe that comes forth, the offerings that come forth. I thank you for the first fruits that come forth, Lord. Uh, it's all blessed already by you. And we thank you that it is used for your purpose in your kingdom to make your appeal to your children. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise for the victory that comes as a result of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, you can serve the people. If you're in this room and you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to invite you down to the front. We'll pray with you so you can be saved. Or if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, that's what we talked about in Acts 1 and 8, having the power up on you to do the work. Uh, or last but not least, if you want to join this wonderful Bible teaching church, um, then we would like to welcome you with open arms. So three things that I call for, salvation, baptism of the Holy Spirit or join the church. If you would say yes to any one of those three things, come on down to the front. We won't take long. Uh, we'll pray with and for you and get you out of here. I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet real quick. Minister to those who are closest to you. Ask them if they need prayer for any one of those things. If they say yes, then help them come on down to the front.
Well, looks like everybody's good in the house. Amen. So let's give God a hand clap of praise for that. Amen. All right. Y'all behave on 4th of July? I mean, what that mean? Well, I don't know. Whatever the Holy Spirit tells you. Amen. <laughs> Let's raise our hands as we prepare to be dismissed. Father God, we thank and praise you right now as we leave this place. We definitely stand in your grace, Father. We thank you for safety tomorrow for each and every one of us, Father God. We thank you uh, for, for peace around our homes and in our homes, Father God. We thank you that we are responsible believers in every way. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise, uh, uh, not just on tomorrow, but every day, Father. Uh, show us, even throughout the rest of this week and this time off, show us, Father God, uh, who you want us to appeal to on your behalf, and we will obey. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you guys. Don't forget, no South service tomorrow night. No South service tomorrow night, but we'll see you right back here on Sunday at 10 o'clock. We love you. You are dismissed.